I'm Bob Cudmore. This is Episode 8 of the podcast of my book, You Can't Go Wrong. We ended Episode 7 with a critical look at one of my columns about Nero New York, written by the late John Jablonski, who for many years was a popular columnist for the Amsterdam Evening Recorder. We begin Episode 8 with my response to John Jablonski's column. Nothing good ever happens in Nero. Is Nero Amsterdam? People in Nero feel they finally hit bottom, and unfortunately, it's my fault. You've stripped us of our identity, my friend Disease Cotter told me last Saturday morning as he sipped a beer at Nero's Four Clover Tavern. I was having a coffee, honest to goodness, although it being Saturday, the Four Clover was not serving lunch, just catering to the drinking crowd. I don't blame the men who wrote to the newspapers. I blame you, Disease said, referring to a recent letter to the Schenectady Gazette from Lewis Carousella and a column in another local paper, both of which came to the conclusion that Nero is really Amsterdam, my hometown. The letter writer says, You don't have to be Sherlock Holmes to know that Nero is Amsterdam. Disease spit out the word sarcastically, relishing the chance to watch me wince. What an outrage, Disease continued. Nero is Nero. Do we have a riverfront park project underway in Nero as they do in Amsterdam? I didn't know what to say. No, we don't, said Disease, warming to his subject as he exercised the time-honored Nero custom of blame-storming. We don't even have a river. We have a creek. And we don't have a successful industrial park in Nero, as they do in Amsterdam. We don't have two excellent hospitals. We don't have a school system that is advanced in today's technology. We don't have excellent recreational facilities. We don't even have a first night. I spent New Year's Eve right here at the Four Clover. You should know, my literary friend, you wrote about it. How is it that you have made people assume from your stupid little stories about our city that you are really writing about Amsterdam? I didn't know what to say. By then, radio personality Mike Van Wilson was blaring from the radio at the Four Clover on his WNRO talk show, and he too was on my case. As if this falling down city doesn't have enough trouble, here this writer and self-professed liberal is spinning stories about Nero so twisted and distorted that some people think he's talking about Amsterdam. If Amsterdam is really Nero, we are all in trouble, Mike continued. In Amsterdam, there is hope. Of course Amsterdam is something like Nero, Every town in upstate New York is something in common with Nero, with the possible exception of Saratoga Springs, suburban Clifton Park, or maybe taxless Wilton with all those businesses clogging the Northway trying to move in. Sure, Nero is like Amsterdam, but Nero is also like Cohoes, Hudson, Ilion, Utica, Troy, Johnstown, Schenectady, you name it. The point is that our city, the city of Nero, is the worst. Nothing good ever happens in Nero. It's as simple as that. I'd give my right arm to work in radio in Amsterdam. Heck, they even have more than one station in the former rug city, and one of them even plays that classical highbrow music. You couldn't get away with that in Nero. The city to leave if you can, and live in only if you have to! Mike shouted the last sentence, as is his custom, realizing it would make a good soundbite to promote Monday's program. On the way out of Nero, I passed the scruffy little Nero aerodrome that will never be named an international airport, Like the big international airport in Albany, though, the Nero Aerodrome doesn't have very many international flights, but that's another story. Looking at the worn-out hangar, the small cluster of little planes, and the bumpy runway, I knew I'd failed the people of Nero. They take a perverse pride in being the worst place in upstate New York. Their negativity, their being down at the mouth, is about all they have left. With people mistaking Nero for Amsterdam, 
Nero's residents feel they have lost their identity. The sporting life. Surely sports are more important than most things in life. Last week's spring downpour came close to engulfing what's left of downtown Nero. Billows of spray rose from the Keep Them Under Creek, like the spray you see when you're still miles away from Niagara Falls. At midday, the flooding provided an excuse for regulars to have a beer at the Four Clover Inn, where the parking lot has a good view of the raging creek. Just to be safe, the bartender took down the valuable pictures of the Nero High School basketball team and kept them in the trunk of his car for the day. Aside from flooding a few streets, though, the rising waters did no real damage to the Fork Clover, the other old store buildings, and the abandoned mills in downtown Nero. The flood made Neroites momentarily forget their obsession with the story of the Fonda Fultonville football players, accused in the bottle bomb incident. Neroites understand why so many people in Fonda Fultonville take the side of the coach who let the accused players back on the field after a short suspension. Nothing good has happened for a long time in Nero except that the high school basketball team, the Nero Fiddlers, made it to the sectionals last season. The boys in the team became local heroes. The men in Nero had something to brag about. A glimmer of hope could be felt even in those ramshackle mobile homes on the edge of town that have aspenite covering some of the windows and broken all-terrain vehicles littering the yard. Nero was finally known for something exciting. It was no longer simply another armpit of the nation. For some of the boys on the team, maybe most of them, few things in their lives will bring the attention that they reap from high school basketball. All this attention makes some of the boys feel they're better than everyone else. Nero police had a tough situation on their hands when the star player on the basketball team beat up his girlfriend the weekend before the sectionals. The girl was hospitalized but did live. The boy was not suspended from the team. The incident hadn't happened on school time or on school property. The player had to sit out one practice. The Nero Fiddlers won the sectional game, and any moral error was eclipsed by the momentary erasure of the drabness and poverty of life in Nero because of this victory. Surely, sports are more important than most things in life. Some people lament that sports excellence gets more attention than academics. Well, every newspaper has a sports section. Show me a newspaper with an academic section. There's a nightly sports report on television, but no nightly television report on morality. Without a successful high school sports program, Nero would be more depressing than it is. Still, some in Nero feel that something is wrong. The Nero basketball player who beat his girlfriend got to play in his big game and will probably end up on probation. Conscientious Neroites compare that young man's fate with a black youth from Albany who went to jail for 9 to 11 years for taking a gun to school. It may not be only a racial thing. If the Albany youth had been a sports star, he might have fared better. After the sectional victory, the Nero Fiddlers lost the state basketball semifinals to a powerful team from downstate. Wait until next year, is what folks in Nero say. The good people of Nero are hoping that next year they will finally be able to erect a sign on the state highway that says, Nero, home of the Nero Fiddlers, boys basketball team, state champions. Winning may not be everything, but if the high school basketball team can produce a state trophy... There is little doubt that most people in Nero will be willing to excuse more unseemly conduct by the players. A depressing city, used to be, is a favorite phrase in Nero. When disease Cotter heard about the latest GE cutbacks in Schenectady, 
It got him thinking about the economic history of Nero, which used to be the sock-making capital of the world. Used to be, said disease, is a favorite phrase in Nero. That used to be sock mill number one, someone might say. Used to be a tavern there the guys in the third shift went to at eight in the morning, someone else will remark. The problems they're having in Schenectady, Nero had decades ago. The sock mills moved south in the 60s, years later went offshore. A whole generation of Neroites has grown up in a depressed area. The local business people tried to get new industry. What were attracted were companies that paid less than the sock mills did, and the sock mills never paid like GE. Then these new companies had problems. One of the companies made a phone-answering machine that was about as useful as a doorstop, and that company folded. Another company made squirt guns, but lost the patent to the super soaker and had to close up shop. Nero city officials tore down a good part of downtown, which had become an eyesore. But what was put in was one of those undesirable one-quarter-used in-town malls. The new immigrants and the old immigrants are at odds. The new people don't have many places to work. Some are on welfare. Some of the older people are on welfare, too, because of the cost of health aids in the home or being in a nursing home. Cheerfulness is not a common emotion in Nero. Oh, sure, people can be happy when going to a sporting event, betting on the horses at OTB, having a few beers at the taverns, but a positive attitude is pretty rare. Living in a depressed area does a number on your self-esteem. Even things that seem to happen for the good in Nero always have a downside. They're finally putting up some big stores on the north side of the city, but all the people are doing is fighting over the project and predicting problems when the stores open. There's going to be too much traffic, some say. Politicians argue whether the new buildings are too close to the road or whether the city should give the stores fire protection, even though the buildings are just outside the city. No one in Nero believes that anything good can ever happen again. The people are always talking about luck, or really, the lack of luck. With my luck, I'll go to one of those new stores and get hit by a truck, somebody will say. With our luck, as soon as we have a big rainstorm, that new parking lot will cause a flood in what's left of this crummy city. With our luck, if you get a job at that place, it'll be out of business by Christmas. And true to form, some boneheaded decision is uncovered, and that confirms everyone's suspicion that Nero was cursed. In the case of the new stores, it turns out they're built on one of the swamps. Nobody can figure out how to keep the water off the sales floors. As always, this gets a lot of attention from the news media, especially the ones out of town. New Nero store all wet was one headline, and it's one more nail in the coffin of Nero's self-image. It never fails. Life goes on in Nero. It never fails. When you decide to do something, it's the wrong time. When you give up waiting for a call and head for the convenience, the phone rings. When you schedule a vacation out of town, you get an invitation to your cousin's wedding for that very weekend. When you decide to visit the new fast food outlet in Nero, the whole city gets the same idea. My friend Disease Cotter and I went to the new Wendy's in Nero last Saturday. Coincidentally, a new Wendy's recently opened in the more prosperous Amsterdam area. The Wendy's parking lot was full, although we got a spot using Disease's handicap tag. Disease knows people at City Hall, and honestly, he's still bothered by his childhood condition, which is why he's called Disease, and he strained his back, shoveling snow into the street during the last winter storm, so it was kind of legitimate. Why we didn't have the sense to give up in the crowded parking lot is a mystery. When we got into the slow-moving line inside, Disease said it would have been a good day to visit Joe's Kitchen, Nero's traditional greasy spoon, or even the Golden Arches. The grumpy old men's club from the Golden Arches had deserted their traditional morning spot to try Wendy's. They were ahead of us in line, along with a horde of hungry teens, a nuclear family or two, some grandparents and grandchildren, single mothers with their kids. The sun was shining, and Nero looked optimistic, like America should. 
Even though the tables were small, bombs were falling in Serbia, the line was long, the state budget was late, and the restaurant was running out of a few things. Why did we come here today? We knew there'd be such a crowd, disease mused. He proceeded to answer his own question while providing commentary on the food. We want to get it over with, for one thing. In upstate New York, even people who are late are early. We can't stand the idea we missed out on something. Is this frosty thing a milkshake or a sundae? I blame, I blame the mills for everybody pouncing on anything new. I always wanted to work first shift. Get it over with, take a nap, get up for dinner, some TV. Do they have any butter for these baked potatoes? I don't like sour cream. Also, we always want to try someplace new, our options being limited in Nero. I enjoyed the daily special at Joe's Kitchen, but, you know, there's just so much rice pudding you can eat in one lifetime. Did I order these onions on this hamburger? I didn't want onions. You could come back to this place in a month. It'll probably be so empty you could bowl down the center aisle. Could these tables be any smaller, or is it we're so big? Another thing we're afraid of missing out on something free in Nero. I haven't seen them give away anything here, but I'm looking. This hamburger's actually pretty good. We're always hoping for free stuff. You know, this coffee is all right. You need the right attitude, though. My father, for example, was too honest. He was the first civilian on the scene when a tractor-trailer spilled its load on the highway once. All kinds of stuff all over the place. He took a couple of pocket combs that fell out of a box and felt guilty. Next day, he's talking with his buddies at the mill. They came on the wreck later than he did and took boxes of combs, canned goods, even some small appliances. It never fails. The first guy on the scene of a bonanza of free stuff, and it's my honest father. Let me put some of these creamers in my shirt, then we're out of here. Give me some sugars, too. And that, dear listener, is the end of Episode 8 of the podcast of my book, You Can't Go Wrong. I hope you'll join us for Episode 9, when we'll talk about life in a northern town and neuronegativity.